Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 987, seven pages remaining. Disastrous Path. It is the stone that stirs the avalanche. It is the cough that starts the plague. But if you know the Cathay is trying to steer you, Chronicler said, you would just do something else. It gives you the flower and you just sell it. Bast shook his head. The Cathay would know. You can't second guess a thing that knows your future. Say you sell the flower to the prince. He uses the flower to heal his betrothed. A year later, she catches him diddling the chambermaid, hangs herself in in disgrace, and her father launches an attack to avenge her honor. Bass spread his hands helplessly. You still get civil war. But the young man who sold the flower stays safe. Probably not, Bass said grimly. More likely he gets drunk as a lord, catches the pox, then knocks over a lamp and sets half the city on fire. You're just making things up to prove your point, Chronicler said. You're not actually proving anything. Why do I need to prove anything to you? Bast asked. Why would I care what you think? Be happy in your silly little ignorance. I'm doing you a favor by not telling you the truth. What truth is that? Chronicler said, plainly irritated. Bast gave a weary sigh and looked up at Chronicler, his expression utterly empty of all hope. I would rather fight Haliax himself, he said. I'd rather face all the Chandrian together than have ten words of conversation with the Cthay. This gave Chronicler a bit of a pause. They'd kill you, he said. Something in his voice made it a question. Yes, Bass said. Even so. Chronicler stared at the dark-haired man sitting across from him, wrapped in a rag blanket. Stories taught you to fear the Cathay, he said, disgust plain in his voice. And that fear is making you stupid. Bast shrugged his empty eyes, drifting back to the non-existent fire. You bore me, manling. Chronicler stood up, stepped forward, and slapped Bast across the face. Bast's head rocked to the side, and for a moment he seemed too shocked to move. Then he came to his feet in a blur of motion, blanket flying from his shoulders. He grabbed Chronicler roughly by the throat, teeth bared, his eyes a deep, unbroken blue. Chronicler looked him squarely in the eye. The Cathay set all of this in motion, he said calmly. It knew you would attack me, and terrible things will come of it. Bast's furious expression went stiff. His eyes widened. The tension left his... End of the page! I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And here we are in the final stretch. Uh, A couple of things right at the beginning of this page. Jordana, on the one, two, three, fourth line of the book, is the Cathay gendered? Blank gives you the flower and you just sell it. In my book, it is not. In your book, it says it? Yes. What did I say? You said it. In my book, which is the first edition, the, the Cathay is given the pronoun he. Oh. So that has changed. Mm. Yeah, I think I have an it too. Yeah, it gives you the yeah, flower. Yeah, you read it. it. So that's that's a change. 
that seems like the the kind of thing that like I have a hard time believing that Roth has described the Katea gender in the first place. So that seems like the kind of like thing that you might just like slip in in a like a copy editing error and then catch later. I agree with that. I also think Jordana, you stumbled over this gave Chronicler a bit of a pause, which is odd to me. I would also have have read it as a bit of pause because being given pause is like a thing. That's a turn of phrase, but being given a pause is is not. That actually seems to me like a grammatical I'm mistake. Saying, how many words are in that sentence? <laughs> This gave a chronicler a bit of a pause. Seven words. Uh, yeah, that's odd to me. Uh, if 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 this was a journeyman author, I would call this a mistake. This is something that this is like writing uh, misunderestimate or something like that. It, to me, it is a misunderstanding of the turn of phrase. Uh, but as Jeremy will say, whatever. <laughs> so wait, did the sentence have seven words? No, I'm I'm kidding. Does oh. it? I don't know. I don't I don't count that fast. Yeah, it has eight anyway, words. But- to be given pause is a thing. To be given a pause is not a thing. Although maybe, I maybe, understand what it means. Okay, so if it has eight words, maybe the reason he added the word a uh, is so that it's not seven. Definitely, because anytime seven words appear in this book, it's extremely significant and intended. Uh, I I read Bass' eyes at the end of the page here as being like full blue, like orbs of blue. Yeah. No, no sclera. A deep, unbroken blue. Yeah. For sure. Like big ass sapphires. He is dubba dee dubba die. Get out of here. This whole conversation that Chronicler's having with Bast is very reminiscent to me of times that I've talked to people who are deeply depressed and you can't reason them out of it. You can't say like, well, hold on. That's not really true. Like, this is not going to happen the way you think. And they go, no, it's going to happen this way. There's no way around it. Everything sucks forever. And you just like, there's no talking to someone like that. Like it's it's uh, it's very it's a very frustrating kind of conversation to have. I agree with that, and that is why this scene doesn't totally ring true because I don't think it is so easy to shake someone out of a deeply held belief. That doesn't really happen on this page. It does happen on the next one, uh, mm. but let's let's keep that in mind because this is obviously something that has been not just motivating and resting on Bass for the last little while. This is a deeply held foundational belief of being Fae, I think, is that you you fear the Cathay, mm-hmm. you understand that it is ruinous, which begs the question, why would the Fae powers that be want that story out there? There is a line on this page, uh, stories taught you to, feel the Cath- to fear the Cathay, and that fear is making you stupid. Another line about the power of stories and about how there may, and it demonstra- demonstrably on this page, the stories can't be true in the way that Bass understands them to be. Yeah, I think Chronicler lays out a pretty good argument for, the, I, I'm, he's not even disputing that the Cathay has like perfect knowledge of the future. He's just saying, even if it does have perfect knowledge of the future, there's only so much it can influence you because you have free will. And there's only so much that it can predict. Yes, so the story, the the intended lesson of the story, the one that you have... The one that is explicitly the intended lesson story, the one that you have internalized, cannot possibly be true. Which, you know, may somehow be a comment on any other stories that we happen to be reading at this time. <laughs> Bast is going to have, like, I think Bast is really frustrated with Chronicler because Chronicler doesn't disbelieve this thing that Bast very firmly believes. And they're having, like a like, a conflict of... Crisis of faith. 
Yeah, there you go. That's what, yes, that. Well, <laughs> I, I don't even read Bass as being frustrated because he doesn't care what Chronicler thinks, right? He's like, no, I know. he says he doesn't care what Chronicler thinks. Or like, I know that I'm smarter than you. I'm older than you. You're just a boy. You're just a bastard. These from are all a things he's saying. I don't does have he to... actually feel that way? Yes, I think he does. I think I think he is so convinced that he is superior in every way to Chronicler that there's no reason for him to take his opinion seriously. I think by the end of this scene, the doubts are creeping in, and I think yes. he has a new a new vision of of Chronicler. But I do think that you know, Bast, the fake creature who thinks nothing of mortal lives. Um, I agree with Jeremy. That said, there is something on this page that that puts a lie to the idea that Bast is like fully selfish and uncaring about what happens to others. Because he says, I'd rather fight Heliax himself. I'd rather face all the Chandrian than have 10 words with the Cathay. Immediately, um, Chronicler follows up with, I think, the rather unnecessary, they'd kill you. Because that's like, you know. Implicit. Un- <laughs> implicit. But what that says to me is that Bast cares about the consequences of to the world, to the worlds, perhaps, of talking with the Cathay more than his own death. Oh, that's if- not how I read it. How do you read it? I read it as whatever would happen to me personally from talking to the Cathay would be worse than simply dying. So I would rather simply die hmm. than, than live you know, thousands more years of like untold torment and suffering. Because I think another thing that I like, just kind of started to think about on this page is like, if you're Fae, then talking to the Cathay is way worse for you than talking than a mortal talking to the Cathay would be because if you're a mortal and you talk to the Cathay, eventually you'll die, right? Whereas like as far as we know, the Fae don't. So if you talk to the Cathay and then it picks the worst possible future to result from your conversation, then you have to endure that future. And you'll live forever. So you have to endure the worst possible timeline that never ends. That would suck. It <laughs> would suck. This makes me think about stories again because in stories the cast is smaller. So in the story of like the prince, when there's only a few people, then speaking with the Cathay would be ruinous for the world because there's only so many people in the world because there's only so many people that like are affected by the story. I don't know. So it's sort of like, it's one of those things. It's, it's like taking an ingredient from a familiar story and placing it in a real world context. Like a, like a wish genie or something like that. In a story, a wish-granting genie, you don't question it. It makes perfect sense. But then when you bring that into the real world and start to pick at it, it's sort of like whenever D&D players start to do a wish, you know, they end up drafting huge contracts and stuff mm-hmm. because uh, that's how you would actually have to approach something that you understood to be, you know, to have all the stipulations with it. Whereas in a yeah, story... you don't want a monkey's paw situation. Exactly. Exactly. It- yeah, the characters in the monkey's paw have never read the monkey's paw, so it doesn't occur to them that they their wish might be twisted against them. Although, if they ever if there was a modern adaptation of the monkey's paw, there has to be the line: "We don't want a monkey's paw situation." <laughs> <laughs> yes, as we've said before on this podcast, any movie or book is elevated by throwing the title of the movie or book into the movie or book. Yep. Just like in Star Wars, when Luke looks at the camera and says, "It's time to go fight in the Star Wars." <laughs> yes. Or. You know, I mean, my favorite example is always the one from Star Trek First Contact. Yeah, no, mine is the one from Apocalypse Now where Marlon Brando has his hand over the red button and someone's like, when will you press it? 
and he says apocalypse now and then presses the button nick you've never seen apocalypse now have you i haven't (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of like a game show you know like a race (laughs) i have only imagined sort of like rat race yeah it's just like rat race yeah marlon brando is like driving a rolls royce holding a wheel of cheese and munching on it while he's trying to like reach the finish line where i gather the red button is yes yeah and on that note why don't we reach the finish line and finish this episode what a segue tremendous yeah that was masterful thank you thank Uh, you uh page (laughs) of the the... (laughs) (laughs) 